Hello, everybody. Welcome to Indie Handshake. I am Jesus Cruz, and today I am joined by SoCal legend Kid Omega. How you doing, brother? Hey, thanks. That's not a uh, completely <laughs> uh, <laughs> overestimating my worth in SoCal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you're you were referred to that, I believe, in uh, was it in Hood Slam? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and Anton Voorhees was on. Uh, my tag partner was on commentary, so he made he made sure to really put over my SoCal cred there. <laughs> yeah, and we obviously we see your mask uh, behind you. That's yeah. your Omega mask. Um, he's also he was almost also the star of La Lucha Libre documentary. We'll get we'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, first of all, I'd like to start these off with kind of like how how we met, and uh, my memory serves me right. I think I met you through John John the Phenomenon. Uh, I think you guys might have been working in Santa Maria for Billy Blade, and I'm I must have been at a show or something. Yeah. You, and then I remember, yeah. Were you driving with him at the time? Because you were. I don't remember. Yeah. I remember seeing you around and I think we, we more got to know each other like on AOL Instant Messenger back in those days. Yep. And yep. Then, uh, but yeah, you used to come down and just check out the shows in, in Santa Maria. Yeah. Yeah. I know that Billy was, uh, was cool enough to let us um, film a lot of matches and we did grab a lot of good stuff there. You know, that's how I met guys like you. And then when I started promoting, I'm like, oh shit, let me call up these guys. I remember them having some good chemistry with each other. Uh, are you still cool with uh, John John? Uh, yeah, yeah. I haven't talked to him in a couple of years, but yeah. I, he's yeah. not one of the guys I had a falling out with. <laughs> not just one. <laughs> yeah, no, he was cool. Uh, I actually just saw a post of his. I follow him on, uh, on social media. Yeah. Um, so talk to us uh, about how you got started in, or interested in wrestling and Lucha Libre, I should say. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, wrestling for me started when I was like – I think four, probably in uh, like 1988. I remember the first thing of wrestling I ever saw was uh, the mighty Hercules coming to the ring. Mm. And that was back when he winged over his head and cleared the ring and everyone would have to powder out or always to get beamed in the head with a chain. Yeah. Um, but in like, for me, it was like wrestling was my, my favorite things before wrestling were like GI Joe and um, He-Man and like wrestling is like just another flavor of those two things combined. Mm. it was really easy for me to uh get into it and then uh the guys i really liked early on were like the really colorful characters the face paint guys like demolition ultimate warrior so yeah. like and then um when i first started getting into lucha libre uh it was probably it was, it was wcw uh seeing the guys that came in the cruiserweights and uh especially especially ultimo dragon when i first saw him that was the guy that i, I really clung to right away yeah, and I remember you were a really big uh, Torimon uh, fan. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was um, as soon as I like was as soon as the internet came around, I, I was one of those early tape traders. I got my hands on some Torimon tapes, and that was like that was my currency. That nobody had that stuff, and so I would uh, trade that to get all the other. Yeah. Any specific site that you can remember, or oh, I know all those. Are yeah, no, that was cool. I got the tape trade, and mainly for uh, Japanese. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, there was this one guy in Japan that wanted um, uh, IWRG, Naokalpa and stuff. Mm -hmm. And they just happened to air it here in uh, the Bay Area, too. So I would record them and send them, um, you know, we would like swap tapes. But uh, speaking of Internet and stuff like that, you also had probably the best website <laughs> at one point, yeah. uh, com. It was just so there was it was so cool, man. Yeah, it was so much animation. And like it was just. It was, it was all flash, which means like, I don't even think 
browsers are going to be able to run it anymore. Um, <laughs> You'll get but, that uh, plug unfortunately, in. Unfortunately, the website's gone. But yeah, there was like it was like a lot of animations and like if you hovered over certain clips, they would play the clip. And if you hovered over certain things, it would. It's very like Matrix inspired. Yeah. Say and uh, yeah, it was just a lot. <laughs> A yeah. lot of animation for a wrestler who was like less than two years in the business at the time. I know, man, but that makes you seem like, holy, this guy has this, you know, he's, he's marketing himself so well. I believe you had the uh, Mortal Kombat song, song in the background? No, it was the uh, Matrix uh, oh. fight song. Yeah, oh, the, okay. uh, Minefields by Prodigy. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, no, man. I mean, you had, you know, your best moves. Even at two years in the business, these are my best moves. Yeah. <laughs> It was it was, uh, a, it was a lot of uh, asking guys, hey, can you come and uh, let me just get, do all my offense to you and just record it <laughs> on some like digital camera that could only record 15 seconds at a time? Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, I was wondering like, why are they so short? You know, yeah. like, maybe just he wants to focus on this one move. Yeah. Um, so how did you uh, get started in the business? Like, how did you find a school? And um, so I started uh, in 2001. I was backyard wrestling at the time, and uh, one of the guys that I backyard wrestled with, who would go on to become Caden Anthony, um, who still is wrestling today, he uh, told me that he met some guy at KB Toys when he was that was working there. He went to go buy a wrestling video game, and the guy was like, "Hey, you like pro wrestling? I got a school opening up at like inside of a gy gymnastic studio." And then so I went and checked it out, and this guy turned out to be Billy Blade who was getting wrestling students by selling them video games at KB Toys. <laughs> nice. And um, yeah, it was just, it just, I didn't plan on going to wrestling school that early. I was only 16 at the time. Yeah. Um, I, I planned on going to either APW or Revolution Pro down in SoCal. Cause I was, I wanted to go do it, but I just wasn't, I didn't expect to do it so early, but just fate kind of provided me. How old are you now? No, how old were you when you, you said uh, when you started? I was 16. 16. 16. The training wasn't uh, the best for the time. Um, Billy, you know, I'll give him credit. He, he, he's a good trainer now, but maybe back then he should not have been training. Uh, my first match, three months of training. Oh, wow. Yeah. He, he was like, it was fast track. All of us only had three. How'd that go? <laughs> Awful. <laughs> who, was all, do you, who was all in it? Um, so, I mean, there was, there was about six students. Um, Tsunami and Caden were both, I, I think Tsunami, Billy Blade was, of course, in the main event. And then, uh, yeah, my first match could not be more tragic of a story. <laughs> <laughs> so three months of training, I was uh, defending my Golden State title in my first of course match. Of course, yeah. yeah. Defending, defending my title in my first match. <laughs> and, the, and the match was a tables match. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, I think we went about 25 to 30. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. And um, we, we planned, we, we talked about the match for months or not months, but like weeks. We, we were like practiced, rehearsed every single thing except for the table spot because we only had one table. <laughs> and, uh, and then the, the, it came time to go through the, the table. And we must have botched like five or six times. Finally, I was just like, let's just change it. Because what it was going to be was it was going to be a, like an Icono slam off the, uh, off the top or on the second. But we never actually practiced like climbing. The and so what happened was like we went up once and he fell off. 
All right, let's try again. Go up, try and go up. Now I fell off. <laughs> and that, that happened six times before finally I was like, I'll just do it off the second. We're not going to get up the top. <laughs> Went through the table, finally broke. And then, uh, yeah, that, that I got my worst match I ever had right out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to look at it. Um, what, what name were you using? I was Kid Omega right from the start. With the mask gimmick and everything? No, ma no, no mask. Um, so the name Kid Omega originally was because um, I had, you know, sh ear to shoulder length hair. Um, none of us had wrestling gear because only three months of training, no one even had any contacts in wrestling of who can make us gear. So all of us were basic, which in 2000, 2001, if you look at ECW and WCW, there's a lot of guys wrestling in cargo pants at the time. Oh, yeah. So none of us really thought that that was a problem. So I was wrestling in like jeans and a t-shirt. And um, I kind of realized I kind of looked like, you know, like a Hardy Boy or Shannon Moore and Shane Helms. And back in, before they were signed, they were in a promotion in North Carolina called Omega. Mm -hmm. So I was like, my, and my idea was like, I'm the next one of them. So I'll just be the kid Omega. So that was where that name originated years later i just completely changed <laughs> not not a hardy boy at all for very long yeah so um you were obviously watching uh attitude era yeah uh we know when the hardy boys were because i remember when the hardy boys were just doing like little dark matches or little you know sunday night heats or or what have you but i was always like damn these guys are so good like Yep. they're doing a lot of lucha they're doing a lot of high spots thing like i was immediately drawn to them and then when they finally made it into the attitude era with lead and everybody i'm like oh yeah this is these guys are i fucking knew that these guys were going to get a push or something like yeah. that so at the same time you're watching you know uh uh attitude area were you still watching like cmll were you watching any mixed yeah. wrestling um, yeah like right before i mean by 99 2000 so a year or two before i started training i was like anything wrestling related i was getting i was putting my eyes on i was already tape trading i was already following tori mon i was always like the guy in, when i started wrestling i was always the guy trying to like talk about tori mon but like no one would ever listen to me because it's like that's not on tv i don't care about that stuff yeah and i was like oh so then what that meant was i, I could steal a lot of stuff a lot of the moves from tori mon and no one would know where i got it from <laughs> but yeah I, I watched a lot of tori mon which and heavily i'd watch Anything that's on Telemundo, AAA, CMLL. I didn't speak the language, so I never knew. They would put the shows back to back, and I never knew when one show started. And when yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool, man. Uh, so you were into Lucha Libre. Uh, who were some of your influences from Lucha? From Lucha. Um, and and Torimon. Yeah. Um, so um, Ultimo Dragon was always like the top guy. Um, I, I had a martial arts background before getting into wrestling, so that was easy for me to kind of like see myself as in that kind of role throwing the kicks with the lucha style arm drags and um but in mexico the guys i really liked watching were um ultimo guerrero um mascara sagrada and uh octagon those were the those were the guys that i always like when they were on tv i paid extra attention okay so I know that you also went to uh, train more Lucha Libre down south at uh, WPW, correct? Yeah. With El Genio uh, Martin Marin. And what made you decide to, what made you decide to go to LA? And uh, how far were you into after you debuted? How far were you into? Yeah. So um, 
me moving to, so I moved to SoCal um, after uh, I had been training for, it was almost two years. I was about two years in, but before that, um, uh, Martin was coming up and helping provide talent for our shows to kind of bolster our roster. And then, and so, and he would do seminars with us. And I always really liked his seminars. I liked the style of training. He was always showing us new things that I had never seen and never really got to do with it, and stuff that I could use right away. And so I was immediately clinging to like, I really like doing this kind of stuff. And then um, in December of 2002, he um, was planning a trip to go to Mexico City. And he contacted me, he was like, hey, I got, a, I got, a, um, I got some spots open if you wanna join us for this trip to Mexico City. We're gonna go train at Ultimo Dragon's gym. I know you're a mark for him, so <laughs> you can go and join us on the trip. And um, that trip completely changed my life. I um, trained at, I got to train at the Ultimo Dragon gym, got to Oriental's um, facility in Mexico City for a, it was a AAA show, and then I got to work a little street show for CMLL all in the same week. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Oriental spot. Was that, is that what they call the Budokan? The Mexican yep. Budokan? Budokan? Yeah. Arena Budokan. So you got to work there. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I just, I recently saw a documentary on, on the arena. I don't know if you got a chance to check it out, oh. but it has, you know, Oriental and all this, all his sisters, you know, and, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's really cool. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, burn you one. I'll let you yeah, borrow, cool. borrow. It's really cool. Um, so, okay. So you're training there and you actually got to, is that the match that you uploaded recently? Yeah. Yeah. I uploaded pretty. Yeah. I finally, I didn't, I didn't even know I had the tape. I, I was just going through my VHS tapes. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta digitize these. And yeah. then I just was like, what's this tape that's not labeled. And I put it on and it's, it's the entire Torimon show. Like the, oh, the, the young dragons cup from 2002. Um, I wasn't even supposed to be um, in the show. We drove 50 hours from LA to Mexico City in a van. I slept on the floor pretty much the entire way there. And I was like so excited. I was like, I'm going to go train at Ultimo Dragons. And then, and then he said he uh, was going to put us on the show. Mm-hmm. And then we get there and Martin was like, I'm, I'm not really confident in you guys putting on a match. I, I, haven't, I haven't seen a lot of you put my name behind you guys. Yeah. So I don't want to give you guys a match. And so, like, immediately I was deflated. I was like, I drove all the way here for a chance to be here. Yeah. And then uh, Ultimo came in, and he was like, no, give them a, put them in a dark match. I'll just put them on before the show starts. And then as people are coming in, put them on. And, but, of course, it's a, it's a Lucha show, so, you know, the show didn't start on time, so everybody's already sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to uh, open the show and have a tag match. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was cool because uh, the athletic commission came in and was like, hey, these guys aren't licensed, so. <laughs> uh, they can't be on the show and Ultimo was just like oh, fuck you guys get out of here this is my show not your show get out of here <laughs> so he so Ultimo like paid the fines for us to work wow that's awesome yeah any uh any fun stories from that road trip yeah <laughs> uh, I think the the big thing that I got out of it was uh really seeing the uh the Japanese uh Kohai senpai relationship mm-hmm. like those guys all treated Ultimo like he was a king like, I, I never saw Ultimo touch a, a, a door handle the entire time I was there. He always had someone opening a door for him, always had someone carrying his bags. Uh, he, he didn't even tie his shoes when he was, like, wrestling. Like, he had someone, like, lacing up his boots and lacing up his wrist guards. 
And uh, there was uh, one of the guys that was there um, who would go on to become El Blazer. And uh, I think he wrestled in AAA as uh, Shugi-san. Um, he, uh, he was like the youngest one there. And his, his, his job there was to um, open the door whenever someone rang the doorbell. And people were coming in and out all night. And he had to like kick off his shoes and like run down these stairs. And like stairs were like, made out of like terracotta, so super slippery. And he just had to bolt himself down, up and down the stairs. And um, while we were there, we got them food that they weren't allowed to eat. So every time someone rang a doorbell, he had to like hide his food underneath the couch, run up and down the stairs. And every time he was like so scared because he thought it was going to be Ultimo and like who like would have been pissed that he's like eating uh, tortas that we got him. <laughs> but he, because uh, <laughs> they weren't allowed to eat bread. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we got him tortas and like he's so easy in the bread because he doesn't want to be a bad like guest like we're his guests so and he doesn't want to like be rude to us but at the same time he's afraid of ultimate coming and getting in trouble so he like he didn't know what to do so like he's like eating like the doorbell rings he stuffs it on the couch runs down the stairs and like every time like the fifth or sixth time it happened we all started going like it's ultimo it's ultimo and like he started like getting really scared just fucking with them yeah <laughs> that's funny right now that you mentioned about uh ultimo dragon not lit, you know opening a door or getting his boots laced. i just picture the scene from Ramses, like fucking ha having a guy massage him like ultimo's number one his muscles are number one <laughs> pretty it's pretty much like that but like he like had an entire promotion all creating him like that like treating him like that and he his mainly his students uh if not exclusively were all japanese right yeah um at the time for sure um and they weren't they weren't even really his students they were just like they, they called him the principal of the school. He didn't, he wasn't actually the teacher. It was a uh, sky day was the, tr the teacher mm. that was actually doing all the, um, the actual hands-on training. So did you meet sky day back then? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got to, I got to train with him a few, uh, a few times there. Oh, okay. No, I didn't know that. Uh, I thought the first time that you met him was up, up here when we had that seminar. No, no. Yeah. I, I met him a few times before that. Oh, okay, cool. How was it work, uh, working with him? Ended up tagging with him at one of our shows. Yeah, that was, it was, that was a trip. Honestly, like, like you had me, you uh, had me come back as Kid Omega because I had stopped doing the gimmick for, you know, five or six years at that point. Yeah. So uh, you asked me to come and re re rehash the gimmick, and I was like, "We didn't, man. We got to sell those t-shirts." <laughs> man, I was I was happy to do it, and then when you told me that I was gonna get the team with Sky Day, I was like, "Man, that's like a, it's a dream come true for me." Because uh, yeah, like I said, that trip changed my life. Training with him completely turned the what I knew about the way I wanted to wrestle. And so getting to the team with them was a really cool experience. Yeah. And I remember uh, when the twins were doing a promo, they were main naming all their opponents. Cause I think it was like a four, yeah. like a four tag team uh, uh, um, championship. And it was the twins, the Pinoys, uh, Jason Styles and, and R2 cool. And then Kid Omega and Skydit, like the established tag team of Kid Omega and <laughs> yeah. Skydit. Uh, but yeah, no, it was fun. It was a fun match from what I remember. Um, but going back to WPW, now let's yeah. talk about the documentary that you were almost in. Yeah. I just find it funny. Uh, how did this, so this documentary, if you haven't seen it, it's based off of uh, WPW, uh, El Genio training guys like Little Cholo and Silver Tiger and guys like that. But it also features uh, Lucha Vavoom's first show and how that came about and all the drama that went behind it. So you were a part of that, of the camp, right? When they were filming. Yeah. The, the filming of that was actually, um, they were filming that right before we actually left for Mexico. So it was like right at that time. Um, but so like, if you, 
watch that film, I am like to the left of the camera a lot. <laughs> I am almost in the shot about a hundred times in that film. Yeah. I'm only, I think I'm only in it like in one scene and I'm like holding a ring post. <laughs> like, totally, totally helping, just holding the ring post. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I just always thought that was hilarious. Like this whole documentary, you just happen to miss the camera every time. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like Big Ugly and uh, Beyond the Man, where yeah, exactly made it in or something like that. <laughs> uh, going back to your gimmick, to the Kid Omega uh, gimmick, how did you come up with the design for the mask and the the gear itself? What inspired you? Yeah, um, so I was wrestling. Um, so I, I evolved out of the Hardy Boy look a little bit. Uh, at one point, I was wearing like uh, white karate pants and a and a shiny belt, and um, it was actually Vic Grimes who suggested, he's like, you know, like, when you come out there, you lose the crowd as soon as they see you because they, they, they don't see a wrestler come through the curtain. They see a little kid who's going to go play wrestling. And, um, and he was right. Like, I, I, I was like, every time I came to that curtain, I was already doing an uphill battle because no one thought that I looked like a fighter. No one thought that I, I looked like I could handle myself in a fight. And um, so he's like, you know, you should get like a, like a Hayabusa mask so that your, uh, your hair can be out because that's a good look, you know, your hair is good. And then you should get like something like a, a chest protector, like, a, like, 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 like what Super Dragon wears. Yeah. Get something like that because it'll make you look bigger and people will take you more seriously. And so I just immediately started like drawing up designs and stuff. And um, I, I drew a chest protector that was kind of my inspiration for that was uh, the, uh, the Ginyu Force from Dragon Ball Z, mm. um, and it was like it was like shoulder pads that the sand. And then the mask, I, I took I took his advice pretty literally. I I drew up a little mask that was only the bottom half of the Hayabusa mask, and then um, now, now it's called the COVID cut. Yeah, it's it's COVID. It, it looks. Everyone out there is cosplaying as me right now. Yeah, um, yeah. It it was pretty much that. It was um, and I I got that in Mexico. I made um. The design that I gave them and the design that I got were didn't really match. Um, the the, the uh, shoulder pad was supposed to look kind of like a karate gi mixed with like body armor, and instead uh, I had and then it was like down the sides it was going to be in Japanese it was going to say Omega, um, but instead of having like Omega written twice on the sides he just wrote it really big across the chest, and then he got the letters wrong. Oh shit! The, the middle letter, the middle letter was like upside down and backwards, and then <laughs> the left, the, the right, the last letter was um instead of saying being a uh, a sound, it was a oo sound. So the chest actually said omegu. <laughs> so uh, every time I ever like saw someone who could read Japanese, they would always look at me like that's not what that says. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. And then the mask was like that was such a pain to have that the the half mask it, there was nothing supporting it in the back so every time i wrestled if you ever saw me wrestle with that half mask it would always fall in the back and it was just always like barely hanging on and then i eventually um um around this time i was also uh every time i came out people were always like oh it's a power ranger and and i was always getting called power ranger all the time that was one of my questions how many times have you been called the power ranger yeah and eventually uh, you know i was just like advice that I got very early on was always tell the most obvious story and it's like if you look if you look like a power ranger just be a power ranger so I um 
my brother designed me a mask and it was very Power Ranger inspired. And so it was a full mask now so I could stop fighting with my mask every time I wrestled. And then uh, and it had like a black visor. It's actually, yeah, it's that mask right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, I eventually got that made. That mask was made by Super Kendo. He uh, made it. And uh, yeah, as soon as I got that, it, like kind of com- that mask kind of completed my look. It, it really, and then it changed my entire gimmick. <laughs> All right, uh, so I forgot to change the view, and I just noticed that halfway through the interview, so now this is the correct view. So that's how, it's, that's how it goes down here at Indie Handshake. Um, so we're still in the, you're still in SoCal. Yeah. Uh, since we're still talking about SoCal, tell me your most memorable match in SoCal. Yeah, there's a lot. Like once I, um, so once I was wrestling for Martin for a little while, he started putting me with like a lot of big names, Mexican names. Um, I got to work uh, Vampiro. The match that that's that that match is probably my biggest match I had there, um, because it was my first match turning heel, first time working Rudo, and I was like I was really excited, uh, I, you know, because I've been technical getting my ass kicked for years at that point, and I was ready finally ready to finally get that heel heat that I want. It was uh, I can't remember who my partners were, but I was wrestling Vampiro, Silver Tiger, and Super Kendo. So like Vampiro, like Super Kendo was one of my favorite guys to watch and getting to work with him was awesome. And then Vampiro, when he got there, he looked at me and he looked at my two partners who were like, you know, these two older kind of fat uh, Lucha guys. He's like, he looked at them. He's like, looked at me and he's like, I'm going to do everything with you. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't want, he's like, don't let those guys touch me. <laughs> and so I, I got to do like everything in that six man I did was with Vampiro who just proceeded to beat the shit out of me. <laughs> he, uh, I, um, I called a spot with him early on. I was like, you know, I do one of these kicks that I do, I actually got from you. So maybe it'd be cool if I could do that kick to you and you could just like look at me, get pissed off. And then you just blast me with that kick back. And he was like, I like that, but I don't know if I want to do that today. I, I want to, I want to put you over a little bit stronger than that. And I was like, Oh, cool. That's cool. I respect that. Mm-hmm. So then, um, in the match, I whipped him off. I threw that kick at him. And he took it and he bumped out and he was like, he looked at me like pissed off. And I, I didn't really know what he did. And he pulls me out of the ring, snapmares me and proceeds to kick me harder than I've ever been kicked in my life. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't until like later that I, he wasn't saying he didn't want to like, like do that spot. He didn't want me to do his kick either. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So he was trying to do something else entirely. Yeah. He didn't want to sell his own kick. It was the, yeah, the 360 <laughs> kick like the, that Kofi does. Yeah. Yeah. I remember he did that. Yeah. Going back to Kendo, uh, I think we've talked about this before, but I think Kendo um, was one of the first guys that brought Lucha over to Japan, right? Or influ- yeah, yeah, he was, influ- yeah, him and the uh, Gran Hamada was like the kind of guy that kind of combined the styles, and he was one of those guys that Hamada would bring in, and he was, yeah, he was like a, he said, I think he said he had over a hundred tours in Japan, yeah, for uh, UWA and and then Michinoku Pro. Yeah, no, I used to watch a lot of his matches. Uh, one of my favorites is that six man they had at ECW. Uh, yeah. when it was all the Michinoku guys. Yeah. Like Dick Togo, Hamada. Pretty sure uh, Michinoku was in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, Taka. And yeah, it was great Sasuke. Yeah. Yeah. I think Naniwa too, right? Granite. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, no, those are, those are good times, man. I, I used to love watching ECW. That's how actually how I got into ECW because they started using, you know, like Ray and Nicho in them. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, any anything else from SoCal that you want to touch before we talk about you moving up here to to Northern California? Um, 
I could tell my embarrassing Chippy Sanchez story. Oh yeah, Chippy Sanchez. Yeah. So uh, Chippy Sanchez was a guy that I uh, went to. The reason why he was called Chippy was because all of his front teeth were knocked out, and um, we we didn't really know like much about him. Like we knew that he was like a hardcore like like gangster, runs through some uh, rough crowds before getting into wrestling, and he always said that like wrestling was kind of pretty much the only thing keeping him out of jail. Um, it wasn't years later that we uh, found out that the reason why he got his teeth knocked out was because uh, his dad hit him in the face with a shotgun, oh, fuck. <laughs> which made us calling him Chippy Sanchez for all those years feel a lot worse. <laughs> um, but um, So the name came from you guys. It wasn't like a street name. No, no. It came from us. Like, oh, it was just like, oh, your, your teeth are all fucked up. Your, your name's Chippy. <laughs> um <laughs> So, but then, um, like in 2010, he got arrested for um, being a MySpace predator. Yeah, and, um, I remember that. Yeah. So he was in the news. Horrible story, and uh, really. But uh, the story in the, I think it was the, was like you know pro wrestler, you know slash MySpace predator given 15 years in jail, and the picture that he used was a picture of him doing a dive out over the top rope, and it was me catching him. <laughs> But when you just saw, when you, that's when you click on the article, the thumbnail with that headline is just a picture of me. <laughs> oh, fuck. So I just see that. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, what the? <laughs> Were you getting calls? Like, what the fuck, Shane? No, no, luckily, no. Luckily, I was in a mask and, you know, I'm hidden. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. That's funny, dude. Yeah, I do remember when all that went down. Because um, I knew Chippy. He, he actually worked, uh, he only worked one of my shows up here. Um, but yeah, that's, that was crazy when I saw that story. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know that you were on the thumbnail. No, that's funny. Yeah. yeah I, I, I can send you that, uh, the thumbnail. Yeah. Yeah. Send it to me. <laughs> um, so how did you decide to come to, uh, NorCal and where did you start, start working up here? Yeah. Um, so in 2005, I was just, uh, I was working everywhere. I was working for, um, the Young Bucks promotion, high risk wrestling on Thursdays. I was working you know, inland uh, on Fridays, I'd drive up to either Bakersfield or Hayward to work APW. Mm -hmm. And then I would work WPW on every Sunday. So like my schedule was like pretty full. Most, I was always going back and forth, either working like some days I'm working Lucha, some days I'm working American. Mm -hmm. um, it was always just, I was always doing different things every time. But in SoCal, I was just having a hard time, like really standing out because I just looked like a dozen other guys down there. But when I came to NorCal, I always felt like I stood out a lot more. I was one of the only masked guys. Definitely was the only one who had gear that looked like mine. And I just kind of like, I just kind of enjoyed um, working APW because at that time, APW was really a school first. Mm -hmm. So even though you're doing shows, you come back after your match and there's like a bunch of guys that have a lot of experience who are all critiquing things that you did well, things that you did wrong. And that was the kind of thing that I really liked. I liked being able to work with guys who can tell me what I'm doing wrong. I got, I get so sick of just working in places where you just get a pat on the back saying great job when I'm like, I know it wasn't that good. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. I, yeah, I really liked working APW and then that kind of, uh, that slowly made me wanting to move to this area to, so that that's not a, a 12 hour drive. Yeah. Yeah. Who were the trainers uh, when you were there? At APW? Yeah. Uh, it was mostly, um, when I first started, I think Robert Thompson was still there. Mm -hmm. And then uh, JJ Perez was the guy that um, 
was there a lot. Okay. But then it was, it was, but it was also just anyone on the roster. It was also like James Watkins, Larry Blackwell, and then Gabe and give tips too. Okay. And uh, what's one of your memorable, most memorable matches up here in NorCal? Well, let's say let's say APW because we we haven't talked about Hood Slam yet. So let's yeah. say in APW. In APW, uh, yeah, in APW, I um one of my first one of the first times that really got me over there in a way that like they're like because they were bringing me in every once in a while, but not really. But then when um it was it was both like something that like a lot of people remembered, and I also got yelled at for it <laughs> was uh it was a forty man battle royal. It started. It was it was a uh, I, I, I want to say it was like APW's like t- 10 or 20 year anniversary show. And uh, they wanted, they wanted uh, Robert Thompson to do like the Iron Man. He, he started number one and he makes it all the way to the end. And um, I think it was also the night he retired as well. But he, uh, he wanted to like, they wanted this moment where he, he just gives like five different people a finisher all in a row. And I was one of those five. Mm-hmm. And he gives me like a running fire thunder pile, pile driver, like a, a sit out tombstone. And uh, everyone said, I just, it, it looked like I died. <laughs> like it just drilled me right on my head. And, um, and then it was going to be like, there was going to be like some downtime and wait for a thing. And so rather than, and, and this is, I should not have done this, but I did it anyway. I, uh, rather than just walk backstage and go through the curtain, there's a big open garage. I stumble through the crowd and I just walk down the street stumbling like I'm like not like I'm just completely delirious of where I am. Some of the students come chasing down after me trying to help me like they think I'm actually hurt. Like I I don't understand like but I'm just like walking down um the street stumbling and then uh I get to the back and then uh the uh one of the bookers starts yelling at me saying I'm pulling the attention away although I was behind everybody. I don't think I was actually <laughs> Uh, pulling any attention away but then but but that like that and just like me introducing comedy wrestling and that was able to I was able to provide something that another thing that not no one else is yeah no you did I, I remember watching a couple of your matches you did it very well um I know you guys had a lot of fun when you wrestled at uh East Bay Pro uh yeah. you guys had like a hot lava match or some shit <laughs> <laughs> got yelled at for that too yeah <laughs> Every time I every time I do something really memorable, I get yelled at a little bit. Hey, that means you're doing something good, man. I guess so. <laughs> um, so you also lost your mask at APW. It did, yeah. I um, who was it against, and how was that match? Yeah. Um. So I was like, kind of like, I was at APW for at that point. I was wrestling for them for about six years, and I was just kind of hovering in the same spot, just like stick me with a random tag partner and do random tag matches. But I never, I had never wrestled for any of their singles titles. And I really wanted to like know what I could do. And the bookers always like said that like, it's, it's hard to like, um, that mask is completely covering your face. There's not, it's hard to get too much. And so, and I was just kind of like, I, I wanted it to evolve a little bit. So I was ready to like, see what wrestling without the mask would. Um, and, uh, at the time, uh, Timothy Thatcher was the internet champion, and he was a guy that I, I loved watching. I, I thought um, he, he was doing that European style. He was just someone I really liked watching. And I knew that, like, I thought that me doing that Mexican Iave style with the, the British King of Sports style, I thought that those two mixing together would kind of create an interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. 
And then um, I knew like, and I, and, and I know that what draws people into wrestling is stakes. And if there's no stakes in a match, they kind of, it's just a collection of moves and maybe they'll like it. But if there's stakes to the match, yeah, anyone can get involved. It, it can get uh, more interested into it. And so I was, I, I pitched to that, uh, I put my mask on the line for the internet title. And, um, and Timothy Thatcher is a guy who I respected and I, I'd be happy to, um, if he took my mask, I'd be happy. That, yeah, we had a cool match. Um, there was a hype video for it that uh, Dave Dutra made. Um, I think, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, Dave Dutra was already wrestling, but yeah, he made the uh, hype video for it. And that elevated the, in the hype, in the video, we already told you the story that we were going to tell in the match. And um, yeah, I, I, I love that match. Cool. What, what year was that? That was in 2009. 2009. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. I barely remember it, but yeah, I, I don't remember you losing your mask. Uh, I, I just thought you started working without a mask. Yeah. Um, yeah. I must have. I don't know. I must have missed it. Uh, there was I a mean, couple, it, there was a couple it, years that I kind of. I mean, the business was so small. I mean, you know, I think a hundred people in the crowd. Yeah, I think that was at the time that APW was only doing garage shows. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it's also the time like nobody's drawing more than a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a. It was a roller coaster. Yeah, man. And, uh, of course you worked, uh, my Khalifa shows, you mm-hmm. know, those, those were always good. Those were, those were cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, any you, got, you, got, you, uh, you got to, you, uh, you put me up at a team with, uh, Quicksilver and Scorpio sky. Yep. On the, Over. on my first show. Yeah. 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 It was uh, Quicksilver, you and Scorpio versus, uh, John, John, uh, American wild child and a guy named Vega. I think they just named him Vega that day. I don't think he had a name yet. No, I, he wrestled. He wrestles for AAA under a different name. I don't know what it is though. Oh, he works now for AAA. Yeah, or oh. he did for a while. Yeah. Yeah, he also refed uh, the main event because he's the only one that spoke Spanish, <laughs> like only ref, so he can. It didn't matter because both guys spoke Spanish. I don't know what the logic, logic between that, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that was a really fun show, man. And then the, yeah. the shows we did in uh, in San Jose. Uh, we're cool, and I think you worked with Sheik on those. Yeah, and a couple that's, that's of the crossing iron uh, match uh, wrestlers were in that match too. Oh, I didn't know that's where you met Sheik. Yeah, yeah, the first time. Yeah, there's a lot of people that there's a lot of people in NorCal that I met through your shows that I I because I was still in SoCal at that time. Yeah. So um, other it, it, wrestling for you was like my first venture outside of APW. Yeah, and NorCal wrestling was so isolated back then that like no one wrestled for shows outside of their own company. Oh yeah, no, it was very, uh, very territorial. Like you don't work for them, you don't work for them, you'll get in trouble. As I, I just mentioned this in another podcast, but uh, the only guys that were able to mix uh, people were guys that had nothing to do with either APW or BTW, whatever. Like uh, do you, do you know a guy named Icebox? He used to be a Western oh, yeah. Players manager. Yeah, yeah. He would do shows in Oakland, and he didn't give a fuck. He's like, all right, uh, Shane Cody and Lampert for Big Time of Wrestling, Charlie France and Dana Lee from ABW. And we're over here like, oh, because we know all the politics going around. It's like, oh, shit, they're going to work each other. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting time. Um, so, you know, now that we talked about Sheik, how did you um, start working with uh, Hood Slam? Yeah, um it was about 2011 was when I first went to a hood slam show. Cause I, I heard about it and I like, I always heard like the, the people that worked hood slam joking about what happened at hood slam. And it always just sounded like, you know, just a bunch of guys fucking around and not really taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. But, um, 
and every time I ever heard anyone say anything about what happened to Hood Slam, it was just like, it, it wasn't like they were taking it seriously at all. And so when I went there, I was like, you guys are really underselling how good like these shows are. Like, it's not just like goofing around and not, not caring. And so I was like, oh man, I got to figure out how to, how I can become a, a part of this. Mm-hmm. So I, I oh, sorry, sorry. So I interrupted. Was this when they were in the victory warehouse? No, no, they were or they were already in the Metro. Okay. When I, when I was uh, actually considering. Um, and uh, so I started pitching all these like terrible gimmick ideas to, to Sheik. And Sheik was just like, eh, I don't know. And then I was just like, what about Scorpion from Mortal Kombat? Mm-hmm. I, think, uh, I think Larry Blackwell actually suggested that to me. He's like, you know, there's no Mortal Kombat characters yet other than Johnny Cage. You could uh, do that. And I was like, yeah, that'd be cool. And then I, uh, I got like some cool custom uh, Scorpion gear made showed a picture of it to Sheik, and she was like, hell yeah, I'm going to put you in the main event. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, so I, I debuted at their... Now, how did that, how, how long did you do Scorpion for? Because I know then you uh, did the e-enhancement. Uh, yeah. So uh, I did, yeah, yeah, I did Scorpion full-time for about three years. Um, trying, trying, to, trying to find ways to make that, that character interesting. Because um, I did the feud with Johnny Cage, I did a feud with Sub-Zero, and then uh, afterwards I was like, what can we do more with Scorpion? And because I just inherently cannot stay too far away from comedy, I started making Scorpion into a comedy character. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing this uh, character where I did Scorpion dressed up as different characters every month. So it started off as like Scorpion dressed as Doug Funny um, from, from Doug. Mm-hmm. Uh, or actually, it was dressed as Quail Man. And then I would be uh, Scorpion dressed as um, uh, Cammy from Street Fighter 2. <laughs> so every, every, every month I was just like um, doing something differently. Scorpion dressed as David Bowie from Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite ones to do. And then uh, eventually I was just like, this is getting expensive coming up with gear every single month. <laughs> yeah. And um, it was about that same time as when I started uh, um, doing the enhancement gimmick on student shows. And how did that, how did the enhancement gimmick come about? It, um, yeah, I was, I was training, I was helping um, train at Stoner Yud. I was, I was, they had a really good first group of students and I was like coming there and helping them out. And then Stoner Yud was going to start doing shows every month. And I was like, I'd, I'd love to be on these shows and just kind of like give like little matches to make, give, I want to give good matches to them. And then, um, and then just as a joke, like they were like, oh, you could be, uh, e enhancement, and I, and then I I added the the talent onto the front of that, so I was the talent e enhancement. Yeah. It, it was supposed to be just like a jobber gimmick. It wasn't supposed to be like taken seriously. Yeah. But then like they're like, oh, we're gonna make you be like our 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 top students. Our, you're our number one student. And so it was like even so the joke was you know even though at that time I probably had 15 years experience, mm-hmm. I was I was a rookie sensation. And so confident. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it was yeah, SoCal legend and a rookie sensation. <laughs> but it was it was it was just a uh, way to be like, yeah, this is how good you could be if you come train here. Look how good he is already. Only only had two matches already, and then um, and Sheik just liked the gimmick and he he liked the character and he's like, I, I like you wrestling this way. I want you to keep wrestling as a real wrestler. Mm-hmm. and not just do comedy so then started putting me on the hood slam pretty quickly yeah and then uh she had me be i was Sheik's protege 
and then we started teaming and that's uh was kind of how we started the caution tag team mm-hmm. and then uh yeah that that then i just we did that for uh the next four years and also as the enhancement you did have some iconic uh uh entrance theme songs <laughs> yeah. uh i think you used uh seals uh Kiss from a Rose, right? Yeah, that was that was my main theme was uh, Kiss from a Rose. I, I when I first started doing it, I was like, I'm gonna come out to like a really. What my idea was like just to come out to uh, '90s songs that you forgot about. So it was gonna be like a lot of Third Eye Blind, a lot of uh, Smash Mouth, um, Sade. <laughs> no, <laughs> but then like the second or third time, I, I came out to Kiss from a Rose. And then the entire audience was just singing along with it right away. And I was like, there, there's something here. Won't you tell me is unhealthy, baby? Did you know that when it snows, my eyes become a lot and the light that you shine can't be seen? there's something better than changing my theme song so when you hear a random song you don't know who's coming out like i could i could this could be my song and it just like it just goes back to like what vic grimes said right away like when you come to that curtain you want that crowd to be on your side already yeah come out to kiss my rose and have the entire audience singing your theme song yeah you you won the crowd before you even locked up Even even before the show, because I do remember you posting a video of you outside with the crowd singing it, um, right? Or am I tripping? I, I oh, yeah, yeah. I, I would. Um, there was a. I was I was trying to generate just like I was just trying to like figure out how to get this character over because the theme song was cool, matches were fine, but like I was like having trouble. Like I would I would walk outside and people like, oh, you were the the banana, right? And I was like, no, I wasn't the banana. I was. I'm like if people like nobody remembered who I was but they were like I I saw you wrestle but I don't remember what you were yeah I mean it's part of the uh part of the problem of wrestling in in such a uh smoke-filled bar (laughs) that people forget pretty quickly so I was like I'll come out and I'll do like do a little interview segment with the crowd and I started uh, interviewing the audience and that became the talent show that's right yeah yeah I do remember seeing those clips uh, how was working in uh, Hood Slam? Like, how was the locker room? How was the, uh, you know, how was the crowd different from, say, a WPW or APW or? Yeah. Um, oh, man. I, I, I loved the Hood First time I wrestled for Hood Slam, I was just, like, instantly hooked. Um, they were, like, because, like, the crowd is, like, right on the ring. And they're, like, they're, like, pounding on the ring in excitement. And just there's just so much energy, much more energy when they're that close. It creates you know, you, you kind of have to change the way you wrestle. You can't be calling spots in the ring if the, the crowd's just as close as the, your opponent is. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I loved working for the Hood Slam crowd. It, um, I, I kind of grew to kind of uh, be disenchanted with or disenfranchised from the uh, American audience because I, I felt like there was just so much just just snarky comments all the time they were it just felt like they were just like waiting for someone to kind of slip just to chant you fucked up yeah or or just like make fun of something that isn't at all related to what is happening in the match yeah yeah, yeah. no i remember watching uh now that i'm capturing all these tapes uh just seeing how the crowds have changed you know 
there's some crowd there's a show that i have from like uh up in sacramento or whatever and the crowd is just brutal dude yeah it's fucking rocky you got aids or whatever he's like dude what's going on where did this come from it's just like they paid ten dollars just so that they can yell at people and not get punched for it yeah yeah (laughs) what about wrestling (laughs) what about the difference between a wrestling and american crowd and the lucha crowd oh man what did you uh what do you prefer or I mean, I guess the real answer is whichever one's more passionate. Because <laughs> yeah. I mean, you wrestle for a dead crowd, a dead crowd feels the same no matter what language they speak. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, true. Um, but yeah, give, I guess it, if they're both passionate, give me that lucha passionate crowd. All um, there's just like a a difference in that. Like, you know, a, a lucha crowd isn't just waiting for something cool to happen to react to. Like, they're like there's like this constant stream of just like excitement through the whole match i mean hopefully they don't have those horns but but yeah get yeah i i i long for wrestling in front of a a, a lucha grandma who's hitting me with her purse again yeah <laughs> oh my god yeah <laughs> do the horns or the uh the snare drums, when they bring an actual snare drum, have you had those? Like, boom, ba, boom, ba, boom, the whole freaking show. Oh, I, remember show. Seeing, um, I remember seeing a show in the, the New Japan LA Dojo, and it was like Durango Kid, who's awesome. I've always been a fan of his, yeah. the way he works. Chilango, all those guys are wrestling. Uh, top of my head, I don't remember what Japanese wrestlers, but this is a really good match. And there's a guy in the crowd just, boom, ga, boom, ga, boom, ga, the whole fucking time. Nice. And I'm, I'm, I'm taping this match, so I'm, the whole time, I'm just like, fuck you, come on. There's no way that he's even watching the show. He is just. Oh yeah, no, he was just part of the hit a drum. <laughs> exactly, and uh, which is fine too because it adds to the. Yeah. I don't know. That's the show. I guess. <laughs> um. So what? Uh, tell us one of your favorite world stories. I know you talked about uh, earlier driving down to Mexico, but is there another story that that uh, comes up, pops up in your mind? You no. Know, Nothing, you know, one, one thing that I, when I was driving to APW, I would um, drive from Huntington Beach where I lived to Bakersfield. And then I would meet like a group of guys that lived in Bakersfield and then they would drive me the rest of the, and like the group of guys that I drove with there was like my favorite. It was guys like Tommy Angels, um, Sean, All-American Thor and, uh, and, and, and Kayu Katsuki, my uh, tag partner at the time. And, um, I just remember like one time I, nothing happened. Absolutely nothing happened. And then like Thor just like, he's like, man, I can't believe this trip. And like no, nothing happened. Absolutely nothing happened. And he was like acting like ordeal. But um, I remember that on that drive to the five, you drive by like the um, McClintock ranch or the, uh, the ranch. Harris ranch. Harris ranch. That's right. Yeah. Um, and every single time, I don't know, they never sold it. They never acted like it wasn't what they were doing, but they would always all roll down their windows during that part every single time. And I never got an explanation of why they did it or like <laughs> who they're trying to mess with because it's, it's kamikaze. It's like you're ribbing yourself. Yeah. Ugh. The smell, man. Yeah. And I stayed at that hotel one time. Yeah. Yeah. It was horrible. <laughs> I was like on a, a trip for work, and uh, and I also covered a lot of MMA uh, shows that were uh, just past that at a place called Lemoore. And uh, Lemoore wasn't bad, but that smell and that 
when you pass right there is fucking unforgiving. Yeah. Uh, what about a uh, favorite story about a shady promoter or uh, the funniest excuse of not getting paid? <laughs> well, it's one time I worked Khalifa. Oh, um, shit. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I mean, the shadiest promoter I ever worked with um, would definitely be Joe Cantrell, at, who uh, went on to be internet famous a couple years later because he was the guy that got banned from Walmart for life. That, I don't know if I know this. I need to look this up now. Joe Cantrell? Joe Cantrell. And then he was on Tosh.0 and he got a web redemption for it. Oh, shit. Yeah. But, like... Everyone was like on this guy's side. Like everyone was acting like, "Oh man, it was messed up that you got banned from Walmart just for complaining about coupons." <laughs> I only dealt with this guy for less than six months. I, he was bringing me in, and he was like, he had this like horrible feud with Jesse Hernandez, and um, everybody was like, "Don't work for this guy." You know, show loyalty to Jesse Hernandez. I'm like, Jesse Hernandez isn't booking me. I don't have loyalty to. A guy that doesn't book me, and even when he booked me, he I, he, he paid me in a videotape and never got. Um, <laughs> he, uh, so, and then Joe Cantrell would just like he like show me footage of like he got one of his guys booked on an EWF show, which was Jesse Hernandez's promotion, and then like five minutes in the match, the guy takes off his shirt and reveals like UWW, which is his promotion, and then like he runs out of the building into a at a car that's waiting to drive him off. <laughs> it's like, are you serious? Like this fake, like rivalry that it was all in his mind. No one cares about like, no fans are like, Oh man, I'm going to go check out that UWW now because <laughs> that shitty guy in the opening match took off his shirt and had a UWW like, and then like, he would like, he, it would be like a game to him to see how much free stuff he could get from, just by complaining about how much, which is, and like, I, he took me on a couple of these where he would just try and get free stuff just by like complaining that it's cold or it's whatever. And, just, <laughs> and he just, he just would stay in the, in the drive-thru and he wouldn't leave until someone gave him stuff. So when years later he got banned from Walmart for life, it was not a surprise to me at all. No. <laughs> I bet you he still tries to sneak into Walmart and he just has a getaway car ready. I just need to buy this. Get the fuck out of here. Have, has anyone ever, has any promoter ever tried to pay you in food? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, there's a promotion in Sacramento that famously pays in hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I, hot dogs, I've been paid, yeah, paid in videotapes that I never got. Um, yeah, I don't think I got paid my first five years of wrestling, so... <laughs> holy shit yeah i mean other than like a couple i mean i think i wrestled for you in that time other than khalifa other <laughs> <laughs> but i mean never never paid in a way that i didn't lose money going to the show yeah because even coming to khalifa i still drove from huntington beach to san francisco yeah or san jose yeah i guess I, I, the, at first i didn't realize like i thought maybe you were like closer to john john or who was in like salinas area i think yeah but then it hit me like, oh no, this guy's from SoCal, and it's on Sunday. Yeah, he's probably got school or, or work the next, you know, morning. Yeah, I'm sure I called in sick. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, those are some good times though. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think the craziest I've seen someone get paid is the nachos. But if they want a jalapenos, it was extra. Like you had to pay. <laughs> yeah. 
here you go. Here's your PO. You want jalapenos? That's 50 cents. Fuck. <laughs> um, what has been one of the craziest fan interactions that you've had? Like um, someone uh, trying to get in the ring with you, someone yelling at you, someone waiting for you after a show. Yeah, I've had uh, – so, I mean, that's one of the things that I loved about Wrestling Lucha is the, the passion that I had, especially when I was a heel. I got people to really hate me. Um, one time I, like – I was just, like, interacting with uh, two, two drunk guys. I kicked a guardrail towards them, not even, like, near them, but, like, they got super pissed and they jumped the rail. But they were so drunk that they couldn't even, like, jump the rail without falling over it. <laughs> so he just kind of like did a somersault over it, fell right on him. And then the referee just like tackled him right away. And then like, uh, Martin was a promoter and he was like, he recognized they were just like super drunk. And he was like, no, 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 don't, don't. Like he was just trying to stop the entire locker room from clearing. Like he's like, no, 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 just, just relax, relax. Everyone <laughs> calm down. Like, and then, uh, yeah, I've definitely had a couple times where someone was waiting for me after the show during that time. And they were just like, you know, they were like, Omega, there's this guy just like pacing back there looking for you. I was like, okay, like, not, I'm not worried. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I just walk right by him without my mask on because he's, he's probably waiting for some, some Asian guy to come stop stepping through or he thinks I'm going to come out wearing the mask. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah That's I, one, I, of, I one always, of the benefits. It was always like, it was always like a game for me. Like, oh, this guy's waiting for me. Let's see how close I can walk right by him and him not even notice. Excuse like, me, sir. Some random white guy. Don't worry about it. Did you ever have to wrestle Rosa Salvaje? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I can definitely say I was very happy that I had the full mask cover. <laughs> Rosa Salvaje was like this exotico character from L.A. But it wasn't as glamorous as like a exotico you would see on TV, like a Mayflowers. Or it was just like some ripped up Daisy Dukes <laughs> and just some... Uh, old pink wig and whatever you know yeah. and it was whoever they found at the time to play that gimmick yeah <laughs> was like all right you got to go out there and you got to kiss the wrestler you got to kiss the ref you got not just not just and then like oh, you, you have to let this guy kiss you you also have to bump after you get kissed oh yeah <laughs> oh you get a kiss boom <laughs> i think i think he's on one of these posters um any embarrassing moments you've had at a show during a match I mean, other than my first match, definitely. I mean, that's, that was pretty <laughs> embarrassing. 20-minute um, uh, first debut match. Yeah, 20, yeah. Um, I mean, like, going back to those American fans that are just waiting for something to make fun of you for, I once gave a um, tijeras to, to a guy who was wearing face paint. And, uh, and then, like, I looked down, and, like, my entire crotch is just all red. Just like, <laughs> and so, yeah, so then I just got, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is, I'm, I'm not getting out of this one. <laughs> yeah, and you're wearing all white. I'm wearing all white. <laughs> now my entire crotch is just all red. <laughs> <laughs> like, you guys have to hit us around the McDonald's. <laughs> have you ever had a, a serious injury or something that'll, that, you know, has affected your uh, work life, has affected your personal life? Um, yeah, yeah. I, um, seven, I was just training with a guy trying to, I was, I was actually trying to teach him how to wrestle and he was a big guy. He was, he was, uh, closer to 400 than 300. And, uh, he, uh, and he was like tall. He was, uh, he's probably like six, two or three. And I like, 
told him to hit the ropes and I was going to give him like a big, a big boot Hulk Hogan style. Mm -hmm. And this, the ring that we were in was like, it was one of those shorty rings, um, super bouncy. So when I went to give him the kick, the whole ring was bouncing. And so my supporting leg bent backward and, um, that injury, um, I, I think my knee was still messed up for like six years. I didn't tear anything. If I was, if I tore something, if, if I tore something, I would have had surgery, and at least that would have given me a reason to like take time off. But yeah. since I didn't tear anything, I just like really strained it, and it just made the hole. And it, it was years of just like, just randomly, my knee would just give out, and I, I would just feel like my knee would just like slide like that every 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 so often. I would just like bend down to pick up a, a piece of paper off the ground. My knee would just give out. It was always just like a scary feeling, and I had a job that required me to walk a lot. <laughs> So it was, a, it was really, it was a time where I had to really evaluate. And then I wrestled for 13 more years. <laughs> <laughs> as, as one does. Yeah. Um, what are some of the bigger opportunities you've had in, in wrestling or some opportunities you wish you had? Like, I don't know, you, you've never been to Japan, right? No, I never made it. I, I had a, like early on, I had a lot of like close calls. Like I got to wrestle, um, UPW hosted a uh, zero one tournament that I got to mm. be a part of. And like, I had a really good match and everyone said like, I had the best match of the night, but you know, nothing really came out of it. And then, uh, I, that, that trip to, uh, Mexico that at Torimon. So in the main event that night, uh, Martin, he got put in the main event. He wasn't supposed to be, he wasn't even, he wasn't even planning on working, but like they, someone no showed. So he had to fill in. Mm -hmm. It was a uh, Ultimate Dragon, Dragon Kid, and uh, Masaki, um, Bestia Salvaje, El Genio, and can't remember the third guy, but um, and then um, Ultimo. Like after the match, the match happened, and then we go back to the Ultimo Dragon School, and um, Martin comes up to me, and he's like, he like pulls me to the side, and he's like, "Do you know what Ultimo just told me?" He's like, and he's like pointing me at the chest. He's like, "I'm gonna take you to Japan." And I'm, and you know, in, inside I'm like, oh shit, I'm going to Japan. Mm -hmm. And then like three months later, Martin's in Japan. And I realized, oh, he was talking about himself. <laughs> Ultimate was telling him he's taking him to Japan. Oh, shit. Did you hear what he just said? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there was like, and then there was like, during that time, there was, um, we were going to become the Torimon USA, which, you know, eventually became Dragon Gate USA on the, on the East Coast. Yeah. But, um, Originally, it was going to be uh, LA-based, and it was going to be um, Torimon USA, and we were going to be, they were talking about having us become American versions of their wrestlers, and uh, at the time, I was very, very skinny at the time. They were going to have me be the American version of Milano Collection AT. Oh, nice. Yeah, which would have been, which would have been awesome, but, uh, you know, wrestling, things happen. Yeah. Um, it wasn't that long after that the, uh, all the guys split from that kind of put an end to that would have been cool you seeing you with the little invisible dog and shit yeah <laughs> it's funny because when boone started doing his gimmick with the uh, what's his dog's name bernie yeah bernie B yeah I was like, oh yeah dude you're like a milano collection at and he goes who yeah and i'm like oh you son of a bitch yeah no i love boone uh, yeah. boone came out of our school yeah um we're sorry no i'm just kidding. <laughs> uh love you boone um anything from the business that you found disappointing yeah, I mean, I think when I was in Mexico and when I was living in in SoCal, like so close to like people that had made it, like I was like 
the lifestyle of people that I, of what, who I felt like had made it, I, their lifestyle wasn't that glamorous. Um, it kind of like made me be like, I don't know if I really want to pursue this as a full-time career. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, there's the ones that make it and I didn't see myself as one of them. I thought I saw myself as like, you know, I could be a, uh, a mid card guy, uh, but, um, yeah, just the, the lifestyle, especially in Mexico, seeing the, uh, the way they work like six days a week or three of those days are they're working three times a week or three times in the same day. Yeah. And that just, it just felt so brutal to me that I'm like, I can't imagine how all their bodies, I don't know how their bodies hold up. And some of them just wrestle for so much longer than American wrestlers. I mean, it's definitely a much lower impact style, but yeah. And the fact that Negro Casas is still working is blows my mind. Yeah. And he's still putting some, he's putting out some great matches still. Yeah. And uh, so just to wrap it up, uh, so how, where do you stand now? Are you, are you retired? Like, what are your plans? Um, are you coming back? <laughs> is, wrestling, is wrestling even coming back? You know? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, I'm retired as any wrestler can be. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm retired until anybody asks me not to be. Um, I, uh, am still, I'm still helping train some students. I'm, uh, I come and do some training at uh, Stoner U. I kind of run a, uh, Lucha class every couple of weeks, kind of do like, and it's kind of show, show them some stuff that I've picked up over the years. And, um, and that, that, that to me, training has been so much more fulfilling because, uh, in 2019, I announced my retirement. Well, I, I, I retired from being a full-time wrestler. And um, I got messages from uh, Shotzi Blackheart and uh, Manny Faberino, who mm-hmm. I hadn't seen in months because, um, you know, they moved somewhere. Mm-hmm. Somewhere. Um, so they're somewhere now. They're doing something. Uh, yeah. But, like, both of them reached out to me and were, like, just really showed how the, the appreciation to me for, like, the stuff I've shown them. And uh, that kind of, re- like um, – invigorated me to kind of keep on training and keep on showing people how to do stuff. Cause that's way more fulfilling to me than uh, going out there and wrestling and having a shitty match once a yeah. month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, no, that, that definitely will, will put a spark in your back um, that, you know, you, you did contribute a lot, you know, sometimes you don't know it, Yeah. you know, uh, just, uh, you know, even just, the, I know I was talking shit about Boone, but just the fact that he's, he made it to hood slam a place that he wanted to be. Yeah. Even when he was training with us, that was his goal to go to Hood Slam and just seeing him make it to Hood Slam, what he wanted to do. And it's like, oh shit, you know, we provided that for him. We helped him get, get to that spot. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like me and wrestling. That's why I, I resurrect so many times. Like, oh, I'm done doing shows. Hey, I'm back. <laughs> you know, a couple of years later, I remember one time, uh, it was way after we did those, uh, Khalifa shows in San Jose that you worked with us and you had just moved back. Then you were at Stoner U, and I remember walking in, and Chupi saw me. I went to go see Hood Slam, and Chupi saw me in the crowd. He's like, oh, come in the back. Come say hi to the guys. And I walk in, and I see you, and you're like, oh, shit. I forgot you were, like, you existed. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, fuck. That's right. He used to do shows and shit. I'm, I'm really good at greetings. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. I forgot you existed. I'm like, hey, what's up, Shane? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, thank you. Um, thank you for being on. Anything else you, you want to relay? Anything else you want to say? No, no. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. This was great. Yeah, no. I've awesome. ever talked about myself in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this is great, man. Like I said, I, I'm I'm interviewing friends in the business, uh, people that I've known. Uh, I'm not really looking to uh, be interviewing any you know, people I don't know, like you know, 
people have been asking me, oh, well, you know, can you do this, Luchador? Can you talk to this guy? I'm like, I don't, I don't know them. You know, I'd rather interview yeah. them right now. So yeah, thank you, brother. Uh, it's always entertaining to see you wrestle, and um, you know, I hope you come back. We'll, we'll see. I hope everything comes back. Yeah, I know. Hopefully yeah. this does. Hopefully this ends soon. Any, uh, any, anywhere we can uh, get these sweet Kid Omega t-shirts? I know you have a couple left, maybe two or three. Yeah, uh, I guess I could share that story with you. <laughs> I have <laughs> hundreds of those shirts still. Yeah. Uh, I could, I could tell a brief story about that. Uh, yeah. Um, so I, my brother works for a clothing company, and he, uh, um, emailing me back and forth, and he was like, "Hey." I got these designs. You, I can make you. Uh, I can make 136 of these shirts if you want for for this deal. And I'm like, no way can I sell 136 shirts. Mm-hmm. What he read was, no way I could sell 136 shirts. <laughs> so he, so he, so he doubled it. And now I, then I was stuck with close to 300 of those t-shirts that uh, in, in only two sizes, by the way, only at large and extra large. <laughs> I'm but, glad I can still fit on mine. I've yeah. had it for years. <laughs> I have I have more if you need. I I probably sold twenty of them. Dude, and it's still like brand new. I've washed this a million times. I wear it all the time, and it's like, look at it. It's, it hasn't lost its color. Yeah, yeah. Right on, man. Well, thanks again yeah, for doing you. this, and uh, thank you everybody for watching Indie Handshake. I've been Jesus Cruz with Shane Omega, Kid Omega, whatever you want to call him, Scorpion. See you next time.